You're listening to European Startup Universe Talks, a podcast where we meet with startup founders, angel investors and major stakeholders of the European startup ecosystem. They let us in on the do's and don'ts of running a startup, their career story and the process of succeeding as well as failing. In other words, everything of interest to startup nerds. European Startup Universe is a massive network of opportunities for EU tech startup founders connecting them with the best minds of the EU tech community, with unicorn founders, known investors and experts. We have brought together European countries to join forces and launch startup programs suitable for their nation's tech founders. ESU aims to give access to opportunity for funding and expansion across EU countries. Welcome to European Startup Universe Talks. I'm Maritza, and today I'm here with Guy Krief, an entrepreneur and angel investor. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to have you. Uh, can you tell me about your experience as a startup founder? Um, yeah, sure. So, look, I've I've founded companies. Uh, the first company I founded was a pastry shop, pastry shop. So, not much to do with technology. Um, that I sold afterwards. Then I was in a marketing technology company called Upstream, and I was working on a technology that basically became a spin-off. So it just, you know, it raised a Series A round from the US and it became a separate company. And so I was, I am the co-founder of uh, Persado, which is a spin-off uh, out of Upstream. But I think... On this particular one, I'm getting the title of co-founder, you know, without having done a lot of the hard work. Um, so because I was working mostly on the technology, I, I, I didn't really feel, you know, the stress of um, either uh, cash, uh, fundraising or these kind of things. I, I just got a very cheap, great um, new title on my CV, which is to be the co-founder of Persado. Um, and then I also co-founded a Brick, B-R-Y-Q, which is a talent intelligence platform. Um, this one, I again, I worked on the technology, uh, but then I invested my like my own funds in starting recruiting people. And the moment it started getting onto, you know, becoming um, a product that needed to be commercialized and scale, that's when I did put the right people in charge. So people like a real CEO, someone who could actually take it on onwards. Um, so these are the comp- the company where, you know, I've been actively involved as, as, a, as a founder. And, and then there are companies where I'm in, let's call it um, a funding investor. Uh, I have a few of these. Um, so from um, a restaurant uh, you might know in Athens, uh, called the Nolan, and then we did a few other restaurants, and now we have uh, three of them, um, to a fashion uh, technology company in the U.S. called uh, References, um, and a couple of uh, others. Okay, that's uh, an impressive uh, CV. What uh, made you go from uh, starting a pastry shop and then going into the technology field? I mean, it's a, a big uh, jump. Uh, look, before the 
pastry shop, I, I found myself a little bit by accident uh, working for what would become the first internet service provider in France um, called Wanadu at the time. Uh, then, you know, it's now called Orange, uh, owned by France Telecom. Um, so my first kind of real job was in technology, um, but a little bit by accident. So before the pastry shop, I was actually involved in, in, in technology. Initially started there as an intern and found myself writing the specs for you know what would be the welcome portal uh, for people at the time using a small SD CD uh, to actually you know get their internet connection. Um, so it kind of happened by accident. Okay. As uh, your experience as an entrepreneur, do you have some lessons that you consider to be the biggest lessons that you've learned throughout the journey? Um, Look, there are um, there are cheesy ones and easy one to easy to say now, like you know everything happens for a reason or or these kind of things, which is always easier to say you know a few years afterwards when you're going through the difficult times you just feel things are a bit unfair. Um, look, I for me the most important thing, and I'm I actually it took me a lot of time to understand it for myself. Um, is I, I do believe everyone should really first of all they should understand what are their strengths and and weaknesses. Um, for me, it, it is very very clear. For example, that I don't feel at ease when um, a startup starts scaling up. Um, I, I just then you know I prefer to pass it on to other people. For example, um, I guess I'm I'm just not a sales guy. There there are like there's a big list of things that, that I just cannot do and the, uh, or that I'm not good at, let's say. And, and the thing is, if you realize that early on, I believe, it makes your life and your journey you know, much easier. You can just go and seek help, get the right co-founder, you know, surround yourself with the right people instead of struggling at things you're, you know, you're just not a good fit uh, uh, for so, uh, I, I think that that's a very important thing. You know, you, you and and usually, at least for myself, it's actually the things I like to do. What I like to do is what I'm good at. So, you know, I hope, I wish I had realized earlier that all these things I really dislike. It's also because I'm really bad at those. So, like identifying your weaknesses and then surrounding yourself with people who can complement uh, those weaknesses within you is a hundred percent. For many, many years, for example, also I was really reluctant to start things that that involved selling, like you know, actively selling that had that was kind of a little bit B two B enterprise. I, I was just avoiding it. But at some point, I realized some people are really great at it, and you know. Just hire these people and and they you know they are skilled you don't need to it's not because i dislike it and i suck at it that it cannot be done some people are really you know they they can do it and very very well do you feel that there is a misconception about being a startup founder that uh, that a lot of people get wrong um look i i, I do think that at least um at least in certain parts of the world, 
and, and Greece is one of them right now. Uh, the startup founder, I feel, is a little bit like the new rock star. Um, the people kind of, you know, um, make it like see it much nicer than what it really is. They just get exposed to kind of, uh, I don't know, the few articles that startup founders get in the press and uh, some features that they have or some interviews that they give. But that's like, that's not, you know, that's not even 0.5% of the time founders really, you know, uh, really spend on, on their company. The rest is very often quite brutal. Um, and you need to enjoy risk. You need to enjoy uncertainty. There are very, you know, unglamorous moments um, in, in, when you're building uh, your company. So in terms of the misconception, um, I do think, you know, very often we see these, um, these illustrations when you have the tip of the iceberg and that's like a success, a fundraising um, uh, press, you know, press articles about your fundraising. Yeah, yeah, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Usually below that, um, and pardon my friends, but you're really eating a lot of shit. I mean, it, it's hardcore. And, and by the way, um, I actually... I, I'm, I don't feel myself. I'm not too much. I'm not really built for that. I mean, it, it's really painful. Um, you have moments where, you know, you, you feel like um, you, you feel like, you know, you're not worth much. You're getting uh, you're getting rejected. It is it, it is not for everyone. And it is not as pleasant as a few interviews will make it look like. Mm. I think that's a very healthy perspective to keep in mind. And it is, as you say, that you only see this tiny little part of it, and that is not representative of how it is. And a lot of people never reach that level anyways, and we don't really see that either. So having a more humble perspective like this, I think it's very valuable for people. Yeah. You have shared a little bit of, uh, touched upon it before, but do you have like a top three uh, best advice for early stage founders? So, so look, uh, first of all, we, we should really put a huge disclaimer, which I'm, I'm, I'm really, I have not, I've never been through this kind of like, you know, proper um, cycle of uh, funding my company and then managing it and then scaling it up and then uh, exiting at millions. I, I've never done that full cycle. I've been very often at the very beginning of companies. Um, at some point, I was the CEO of a large one, but I've never done that full circle, much mostly because I don't think I'm actually skilled to do all of it. But so the first thing is a huge disclaimer. My advice is, is, is not worth the advice of someone who you know has done it all. But at least... As, um, as an investor and as an advisor to many of these companies or just reflecting on my own involvement in, in some of them. Um, look, there's the first thing. So now as an active angel investor, I'm getting a lot of pitches. And, and the first thing is I do believe, and I've experienced it myself with a failed messaging startup that I did at some point. I failed very, very fast. I'm very good at failing. In six months, it was over. Um, I do believe that the first thing is you need to understand what it is that you're solving. And you need to have, like, you know, when you're going with something, um, for example, uh, given my age, 
I'm not the right person to design anything whatsoever for teenagers. I just, I, I just don't get it. I just don't understand them. So I, I think, you know, many, many times people are trying to solve problems that I, I, I'm not sure they, they really understand or they really identify themselves. It's so much easier when you, you see something that's wrong or, you know, the, 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 there is a pain point somewhere. This is the magical uh, I believe this is the magical time where actually this is an opportunity to go and build something that's going to solve that problem. The moment you've experienced the pain, you're in the best position to go and solve it. So, so that, that's, that's the first one. The second one is, and this I'm, I'm seeing it so much, the lack of focus. There are so many very, very young companies going after too many things at the time. And, you know, in a sense, it's understandable. Uh, you kind of feel that, you know, you're going to try three, four things and one of them is going to work. My take is that reality is quite different. It means that you're going to do all these three, four things in a very mediocre way. You're not going to put everything you have in any of them, like, you know, properly. And, and that will actually... That, that, that will not allow you to understand what is the fine tuning that, you know, one direction needs to be successful. What are the pivots that you're going to be, you, you're going to have to make that one thing successful and be, be very, very good at, at, at this one particular thing. And it's not, usually it's not, it's not an easy decision. You know, you do see many companies that have, I'm getting some revenues from one product, they're getting some revenue from a slightly different one. And, and it's a very tough choice to, you know, decide to just, okay, uh, you know, I, I'm just gonna cut this part of, of, of my company because I wanna focus on, on what I think is the most promising one. It's a very, very tough decision to make. I, I do think that it, it, a focus is, is, is so crucial. It is so important. And the last one, you know, we've touched a little bit upon it, but you need, you absolutely need to get surrounded by the right people. That's gonna, it's just, that's gonna make you or break you. I mean, um, you, there is not, you, you can't do it all. And, and some people are very good at things that, you know, you usually cannot do very, very well. So like your co-founder, your first hires, this, this is so important. That was uh, some solid, real uh, good advice. I would like to ask you a bit about uh, your, you touched upon it, but uh, your angel investments. Um, how did you get started with that? Um, so, so look, my, my very first angel investment was not in a technology company, so it was in, in a restaurant. And the way it happened is that um i had a friend who had a very successful restaurant and um he wanted to open a new one with kind of an upcoming chef and he had investment lined up and he was ready to do so in here in greece and then the summer of 2015 happened with you know the banks closed and capital controls and the country being in a very uh in a very uncomfortable position. And he he did, you know, he didn't have any way to open his new restaurant. And at the time I was living in the US. Um, and I was kind of I was his only access to investment because at some point 
half drunk, I had told him that, you know, if you want to do something, your restaurants are so good that I like it. I like them so much. I'm willing to invest, but I didn't mean much of it. You know, it was just like drunk talk. And I did find myself in the summer of 2015 with this friend asking for a proper uh, six-figure investment, um, money to be wired from the US to capital control, Greece, you know, to like <laughs> a place where no one was sending money at the time. So that was my first angel investment. And I remember thinking about it as kind of a friendship tax at the time, like being sure that, you know, I've just lost my money right there. That's money that I'm wiring just because I, I love my friend. Uh, by the way, it turned out to be the best investment I've ever made, but that's another story. Uh, so that was my very first one. Uh, then what happened? Then um, at some point when I came back from the US to Greece, uh, I needed a car. I Let's, let's you can call me cheap but i hate spending money on cars and i don't i never ever want to buy a new car i just think it's a waste of money especially when you have a dog and a kid and so i wanted a used car and you know there's a problem of trust when you buy a used car and so then there was a great service offering cars that had been checked by them offering insurance offering a guarantee everything like it like it was a new car and i, I used the service and i was so pleased by it I started looking for a way to invest in this company because I, I was just, you know, I was convinced that what they're doing is so great. And that was, here you go, that was my second investment. And, and then I starting, um, I starting doing more. Some of them uh, are kind of, you know, uh, people I've worked with and I really value what they do. Uh, others are, they, they've asked me to be an advisor. I really liked working with them. So I participated in their next round and, each of them kind of has a different story, but um, I've never I, I've never done something that either I don't understand or is not being done by people I admire or trust, kind of. Okay, so would you say that you uh, invest more based on feeling and, or based on uh, actual results or like logic? Yeah, that's a that's a very good question. Um, look. The, there are, there are multiple ways to look at that. First of all, it's not like I'm a professional investor right now. Um, so, and, and, and I'm not investing other people's money. Uh, if I was to ever do so, um, I think this requires you to be, um, to be way more in kind of like objective and, and kind of um, being able to back your decision using data. Up to now, if we take each of them as an example, I had a friend who had done some great restaurants, great success. So that's a data point, right? And he was going with uh, someone he had worked with who looked as a very promising chef and opening a new restaurant. And I, I found myself investing in that. So it's, I, I don't think these are the data points in the traditional like you know sense of the term, but that's still a data point. And the same thing when I invested in Spotawheel, this um, used car company, um, I had used the service. I, I knew it, 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 it was just an awesome service. And I knew that that was, this is a very serious problem in certain countries. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a market study. I didn't know, you know, um, kind of like what's the market size and these kind of things. But 
but I, I did have some pointers that you know indicated that all right it looks like a good idea okay yeah, it feels like maybe you you took a different route maybe than uh, other angel investors typically do or would you say that yourself um yeah i guess so you know i'm i'm not super familiar about like how other angels will will work but but i do think so look um so yeah i did something that was related the restaurant aside but um there are things in which i think i will not invest because i just i don't understand them uh or i'm just not attracted by uh, by by the space so i don't know if you take um gambling i'm just not interested in in, in gambling so I'm, i have i i don't want to get into it um if you take uh, fintech i just I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a fan of it. That there are no. This what what is being done in fintech is not that exciting to me. So, um, yeah, I, I guess. But you know, I still believe that, and I might be wrong. Most angel investors, um, it's a relationship game. I think you know, like the the deals get introduced. Someone suggests something. There is a friend of a friend. It's a bit different, and by the way, a lot of the, at least in the early stages, um, a lot of like you know your network, your former colleagues, acquaintance. I think a lot of that is very very important. I'm not saying all of. I'm not saying that's the only way to get funding, and I'm not saying that everybody. That's you know that's hundred percent of the deals, but this is a very important uh, factor. Mm. Yeah, definitely, it is. Uh having connections and having the network is often the way to uh, to really get what you what you're looking for so it has been such a pleasure talking to you today before we wrap up is there anything that you would like to add to the conversation um look not so much like in terms of um important things but certainly at least the way we presented it initially it sounded like i, I presented obviously what were the successes um, I've done at least double the amount in failures, in either failed investment, failed attempts to do something. I mean, um, I, I, I do, I do really believe that either on the entrepreneur side or the investing side, um, someone needs to really be ready and willing to fail. Um, just you know all right if you don't try anything you're not going to fail and that's a cliche and i understand it but there's just each many of the things we discussed earlier they happen or i met someone with whom we did something successful at some point but we actually met uh doing something that you know was a failure so you you really need you need to be you, you need to kind of have like the i don't know the, the emotional capacity to go through um failure rejection and you know lows and understand that are, these are actually feeding you for something down the road which is very easy to say now sitting in you know in a zoom interview with you it's very cool and that's fine when you're going through it it actually is not pleasant I like the transparency and I think that is some 
very valuable words of advice. And I think also that's one of those things that cannot be said enough. It's really important things to have in mind. Thank you a lot for being here today. Thank you. It was fun. Thanks. You've been listening to European Startup Universe Talks. If you want to know more about us, go to thestartupuniverse.org and follow us on social media.